Welcome. I'm Anna. And I'm Chanel Constance. And you're listening to Ebony Musings. This literary podcast was created to provide a safe place for Black women to discover wellness, balance, and self-care through literature. Join us in conversation as we dive deep into the importance of self-care, balancing our lives, and how literature has played a big part in our own personal healing processes. Let the journey begin. Welcome. I'm Anna. And I'm Chanel Constance. On today's episode, we are discussing part three and four of Gathering Blossoms Under Fire, the journals of Alice Walker by Alice Walker, edited by Valerie Boyd. And these two sections of the book are what I call the literary tea section because Alice Walker had a time in her life. You know that meme where she's like, mm. <laughs> Boy, we had a time last night. <laughs> Boy, we had a time last night. I'm telling you now. Woo! She had a time last night. She had a time last night. She had a time in her life. So just to let you know, both the the last episode and this episode, they're spoiler filled. So if you don't want to really know the nitty and gritty of what happened in this book, I would say to read the book first and then come back to this episode and kind of, you know, compare and contrast your notes or what you thought. What are your overall feelings and thoughts of this book? So I really... I like this book. I gave it a four. Mm-hmm. I liked, I really love her prose. Um, I thought lo- it was simple, yet really poetic and complex. I love that she was very, very honest about how complicated that she was in mm-hmm. regards to her relationship with her daughter, with her ex-husband, with her lovers, with fame, with money. It's just, she was complicated and she was honest about it. But I really felt that she was trying to make things good for everybody, including herself, but she didn't want to overwhelm herself with just being a goody two-shoes. She really just wanted to stay stay complex. She contains a lot of multitudes, so I really like that about her. Yeah, I, I really enjoyed this. I felt like I learned a lot about Alice. Um, it's just really hard when it comes to a journal because I feel like there's so many holes, right? Mm-hmm. So I'm making all these judgments about her and her situations, but not realizing she didn't write in great detail exactly what happened. I don't know. It was just really interesting. All her little stories and stuff really just had me like, what? Alice, no way. Right. And mm-hmm. what made you want to read this book? But why did we choose it like for our first book? Um, I just thought it would be a great introduction to Alice Walker. Um, I feel like a lot of people just know the basics about her, but don't really know the true her. Yeah. So I feel like this was just, um, what's the word I'm looking for? This sets the tone for all the other books that we'll read. Yes. Because she does mention them in this book and where they came from. So we get a little bit of a, a background about those books. So I just thought this would be a good starting point. Yeah, same here for the author. Same here. And it definitely lived lived up to my expectations. All the key that we found mm. out that I'm what we're gonna mention in a second. But it just again, it just really showed me she's an amazing author. She worked so hard. She campaigned for other writers of color, other black women writers. Um she loved James Baldwin, Langston Hughes. Like she was just Jordan Hurston, she was really a champion for the arts. So I really liked, I really, really liked her. Can you 
So what exactly didn't you like about the book? The structure? It's a journal. Okay. I just, like I said, I just felt like there was just so many holes and questions. And although they're in chronological order, I just still felt like there was stuff missing because I felt kind of bad after reading section two. It was kind of like, you know, I made judgments on her mothering mm-hmm. and not realized there could be more behind it. Right. Right. I just, I just went based off of what she put in her journals. And it was just like, I know I'm so quick, to, you know, we're, we're all so quick to judge sometimes. And I was just like, just based off of that, I was just like, oh, no. I don't know if this is for her, you know what I mean? But then after reading that section, I was like, you know what? There could be a little bit more behind it, but she just didn't write it here. And we coming to that. We are coming to that. <laughs> All the literary key. So, mm-hmm. and do you have any legal questions? Yeah, there are tons of questions. I do love how um, Valerie fill in a few of the blanks. Right. But again, it's, it's just a journal. And this, and this is one of those books that's like really hard to rate as well because I feel like we're not getting the full story either. But I also feel it has great content and enough to kind of get you to um, an understanding of who Alice was so mm-hmm. or is. So, Yeah, I, I guess I had questions more about because there's supposed to be a second volume of her journals really yes so this stopped it just it was like a hard stop in like the 2000s mm-hmm. like 2000 like year, year 2000 so I guess I would want to know how her relationship with her daughter is right now she does say that you know she made up with her daughter in the book but I guess mm-hmm. I would want to know more specifics if we ever will get that and maybe right. her feelings more feelings about um the movie that's coming out for the Color Purple um, musical is that's going to be a movie with Fantasia mm-hmm. and um and her as as squeaky and this is so interesting. So I really would want and I'm, I would want to know more about her her spirituality. Um, maybe if she's she's in love or she's had any other relationship, if she wants to divulge the information, I think that would be cool. Yeah, I mean, when she had talked about the color purple, I mean, she had her dislikes about the movie, right? Yes, she did. And she had things that she was really upset that they changed. I wonder, since all that time has passed, does she still feel the same way? Yeah, but she, but she said that she liked it the second time that she mm-hmm. watched it at the, at the premiere. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess she just really felt bad that they didn't use her script because she worked really hard on it. Right. And I remember um, reading that Steven Spielberg was upset that there were a few things that um, she did mention that he removed and he felt like if he had if he had left them, it would have made the movie so much better. So, yeah. Yeah. I think more of the queerness should have been left in there. Yeah. Um, so I loved her tone. It was very serious, but playful at the same time. It was very thought provoking. I like that she was very, very honest. And she was just very thankful all the time. Even though she mm-hmm. was going through so many things, she was like that she was very grateful for all of the experiences that she has. And I think that's a really good just characteristic to have in general, just being grateful and thankful. Because she went through a lot. She did. But she did a lot of work. She went to, to therapy. She did... um. 
yoga. Like she really, really tried to kind of get herself together in regards to all her feelings about her past and her future. Mm-hmm. So I, I really liked her tone. It was cool. She was really shady though. It was hilarious. <laughs> That's Alice. <laughs> so let's talk about the themes in her book. Okay. So the major theme in the entire book was obviously her relationships, different types of relationships she had. So first of all, let's talk about her family relationships. So she really loved and took care of her mother like until she died. She was um, responsible for her upkeep when her mother got older, $40,000 a year. Um, but her mother's, her relationship with her mother was really complicated mm-hmm. because she felt like um, even though she thought her mother was beautiful and she really cared about what she thought and they had beautiful moments, there were some moments where it was not quite as beautiful like for example mm-hmm. her mother didn't really like to show her affection mm-hmm. so they they started doing that and I know she had a hard time with her mother being like a maid for the white people and then kind of coming home and just trying to be a mom that was difficult for her to understand at that time mm-hmm. and, and I also think you know she wanted her mother to live in California with her but the rest of her family thought that it would be easier for her to be around her 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 family and her friends back in right. Georgia. So it was rough. And then she had some rough up and down feelings about her sisters. Like we talked about the last time, her brothers. Yeah. I think the biggest thing in her relationships was her father. She wanted she sincerely wanted a good core father figure in her life. Yeah. Every time so. I saw that in the book, I'm like, yes, that's why you stayed with Robert for such a long time because you felt protected and loved. Even though you really loved him, I think he was kind of like a father figure. He was that masculine form for you. Right. I just felt like the her relationship with her mom. You know how we talk about like the five love languages? Yeah. I, I think Alice didn't understand her mom's love language. Like for modern, for right now, like myself, my mom never said, I love you. Oh, never. That was just not a thing that we ever experienced, but she did say, I love you in the things that she bought us. Right. Her love language is gift giving. I agree with you with that with my mom. Her, her um, love language to us was gift giving and it wasn't really quality time and action. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. Like, she made sure that we were taken care yeah. of, we were beautiful, we had one Acts of service, yeah. And we had resources, um, yeah. up the, you know, up the wazoo, like, we were always taken care of. Yeah, and my mom's the same way, so it's like, when I got to that part, and I just, reading about her, her relationship with her mom, and how she wanted certain things from her mom, and I was like, you just don't understand her love language. Yeah. I felt like maybe she would have seen it a different way, maybe there would have been love more love towards her mother, yeah. more affection towards her mother, if she understood that back then. But it took me years to find that out, too. I knew that my mom loved me because she would tell me often, but I think I wanted more of the self-esteem mm-hmm. type thing. Well, and we, we, could, we could also be best friends. Because mm-hmm. we definitely wasn't that. Yeah. You know, okay. I think she raised me differently than my sister, whereas she kind of babied me more, but 
it still wasn't like, hey, we're friends, we're hanging out, we're doing stuff, we're talking. It was basically, do not get pregnant and bring home, bring home a baby. We're going to college. They're like, all right, mom. Love you too. Yeah, so it was cool. I think one of the reasons why Rebecca and her mother clash sometimes because they were very, very similar. Yes, that's what I thought too. Um, Alice created herself in her daughter. She did. And she didn't realize it. Because <laughs> I figured, I, th- I think like if Alice had sat down and just looked at her daughter and realized how much like her she was, there probably would have been a different approach to motherhood for her. But I think in the in the book, she kind of she kind of she she sees that Rebecca is kind of like her mm-hmm. because she ends up changing her her last name to Walker. Yeah, that was a big deal, and her dad's side of the family was not happy. No, but it's just like she could not relate to them at all. Right. So, I mean, I think they knew that they both they both loved each other, obviously, but. Mm-hmm. They just had a hard time trying to get along together and have space at the same time, I think. And I think Rebecca was processing the non-conventional way, conventional way that she was raised. Yeah, that that was a huge thing. And Alice had some feelings about that. She was like, you were raised, maybe not conventionally, so I don't know what the problem is. <laughs> I think this wasn't really like discussed in the book but they had a rift mm-hmm. um, like in the early I was like 2008 this is from an article from NPR okay so it says she says this is Rebecca she says well Alice was extremely ambivalent about mother as for her cohorts the whole generation she wrote a well known essay called once child of one's own in which she talked about how you really should have one child because if you have more than one child, you will be enslaved to your children and you wouldn't be able to, to be creative and you wouldn't be able to be free and you would lose your independence and your peace of mind. And that mm-hmm. to me really, ref- that to me, that really to me reflected a great deal of ambivalence. And, you know, she, it, she, I think she had to really reckon with what her mom said and mm-hmm. it, they were exchanged for years. Yeah. They were exchanged for years. But in the ending of the book, it says, she says, her, my daughter and I, I thank God is and God and, and God ever imagined are as close today as we ever were. And we have been plenty close. Life, for whatever reason, gave us grief for a number of hard to bear years. But, you know, they're back to, they're back to being, you know, close mother and daughter. And I think, Rebecca actually released a new book and Alice Walker wrote the um, the forward for it, or basically the first story, so. Oh, nice. So they finally got together. It's a complicated mother-daughter relationship. Very, very complicated. But I did want to mention that Rebecca was also queer like her mother and had long-term relationships. And, she, and her mother was actually really supportive of her. Like her mother gave her money for um paid all of her like her School. Yale, her schooling. Mm-hmm. And when she wanted to open up like a coffee shop, she gave money to her to help her with mm-hmm. the coffee shop. So 
there was support there, maybe not in the way that Rebecca wanted. And I'm not saying that that uh, that Alice was right in in the way that she was raising her, mm-hmm. but you know, she was a good mom in the best way mm-hmm. that she could. She could, right, right. All right, it's time for the tea, the tea part. Oh my gosh, Robert. What? Yeah. <laughs> so Robert. Robert Allen is a journalist. Um, they had over a 10-year relationship on and off. They met in college when she was at Spelman and he was at Morehouse. And they got reacquainted during the separation from Mel from Mel, her ex-husband. Robert was an amazing lover. I felt like again she wanted that father figure, masculine um presence in her life, and she kind of got that through him. Mm-hmm. So she felt safe and at ease sometimes with him when they used to go on different trips or um, kind of go out or just be together in, in a house. Um, she really enjoyed it. But he could be abrasive and very picky about money. And he had like a really weird porn addiction. <laughs> um, because yeah. he, had, he took a... There was a picture that she found in like a hidden album of her and another woman believe they were topless and she was like why is this picture here why is it hidden why do you have it and she figured out it was for his extracurricular activities quote unquote the whole Robert thing though oh. what a fucking douchebag yeah <laughs> oh my and goodness I don't know how long they were together like off and on. I want to say it was past 10 years. It was a waste. I feel like it, that relationship I felt like he got more out of it than she did. Yeah. Yeah. So she so she couldn't really trust him. That was a really big thing was like she really could not trust Robert at all. And he eventually did get a divorce from his wife long long after they got together but it was like a really up and down bumpy road. They did end things. He ended up with someone else, but if you go to the end of the book, you know, they're actually pretty good good friends now. Yeah, I thought he was an opportunist because when they were to get together, like he asked for all kinds of money and he wanted everything that she had. Yeah. I mean, when they separated at one point, she gave him like, I don't know how much money was it, forty thousand dollars or something like that. And then he complained that he didn't have an office. So, like, she gave him her workspace. It was just crazy stuff like that. I was like, and it was always about money. He's, he's problematic, to be sure. But this is not the tea. I'm coming to the rest of the tea. Tracy mm-hmm. Chapman. If you don't know who Tracy Chapman is, she, um, she released her first album called Tracy Chapman in 1988. And she had the singles called Fast Car, Talking About a Revolution, and Baby Can I Hold You, and it won three Grammy Awards, including an honor for Chapman as Best New Artist. And she also released some other um, albums, but it's basically this album, her first album, that kind of put her on the map. And Alice was 20 years older than she was. Alice was a cougar. 20 years old. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, and it's it kind of like they kind of fell in love really, really hard. It it was love at it was um, not really love at first sight, but I would say they fell for each other pretty quick. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah. But they were also complicated people, which also complicated the the relationship, the relationship. between them. Mm-hmm. This wasn't her first time sleeping with a woman, but this was her her first. This I think it was her really first major major relationship that she had for a long time with a woman. Mm-hmm. She had another relationship with a woman, but for to protect the identity of this woman, they changed her name. You remember that part? Yeah, I did. I was like, oh my god, I wonder who that was. <laughs> but I felt like this one was like the definitive. Mm-hmm. relationship that she had did you feel like Ellis was really needy as well yeah in every relationship you do you feel like she expected I, too much she was needy but I also felt like she wanted to be alone yeah so I felt like her relationship had limits Mm-hmm. she was committed to them but to a certain extent until she felt like she was full and when she felt like she was full she was a big jerk yeah Quincy Jones that I found very interesting I had no idea me either my boyfriend has said yeah you know they had a like an emotional connection I'm like I had no idea that's I don't want to say it's crazy but just how she just talks about Quincy and she was just lo- so loving towards him. So I was like, hold on, are they in a relationship or no? No. They were, they were just flirting with each other? I think or... it was just like a, an emotional relationship connection type thing. Mm-hmm. Because they had feelings for each other because they couldn't pursue them because they both were in situations. You mm-hmm. know, Quincy was married at the time yep. to uh, Peggy Lipton and at this time she was with Robert. Mm-hmm. You know, they were trying to figure out a way to pursue a romance without being dishonest with their partners and perhaps including them. So they were trying to figure stuff out. But eventually, you know, Quincy went his way, you know, dated other people, married other people, had more kids. And she eventually had to move on herself. Right. Let's talk about her money. Now, Alice is... uh, (laughs) I feel like she was really good with money. She was. She mentions that so much in her journals. But that's because she grew she grew up dirt poor. Um, she had about three or four homes. She yeah. got a huge advance for the Temple of My Familiar, mm-hmm. like a huge advance. Um, like I said, she had a complicated relationship with money because she was poor, and also she wanted to make sure that she was independent and not really dependent on anybody else for money. Right, but in reverse, it was like her family depended on her for money. Right, you know, she was helping her mom, which I get, but then like her was her nephews yes like she was gonna adopt one but then she realized like you know why am i doing all this and spending all this money so she decided not to do it was just wild she she gave robert um the press Mm -hmm. she gave one of her um one of her her girlfriends a home in hawaii that she purchased So she gave a lot of she gave her away a lot of stuff. But what I like is that she, even though she did all that, she was still thankful for what she had. Right, and I feel and like she, that's her blessing too, because money continued to come for her even after. Exactly, the she was always yep. giving from the heart. Yep, and she had a right to be stingy in some instances because she was sometimes she said she was bleeding money, like just just spending so much, and it's not yep. really for herself. 
Right. Really. I mean, yeah, she had to fix up her houses or whatever. That's that's usually what happens when you're a homeowner. But it was just people just kept on asking for money. So she had yeah. a really um, interesting relationship to fame and to money. Yeah. She won the Pulitzer Prize in 1983 for The Color Purple. In 1983, in April, she also won the American Book Award, which is now known as the National Book Award, which is one of the most prestigious literary awards that you can get. And she won the Pulitzer, which is another one, in 1985. So she had all the fame coming to her. Um, she wasn't out about that fame though she was no. like okay thank you and then you know what I mean <laughs> yeah she got really tired and she really craved solitude she's like I am always so tired of doing all these interviews yeah and that's why she purchased all the homes because she just wanted to get away which I understand yeah I can get that okay, she also was an activist she made a movie about female genital mutilation this was called Warrior Marks mm-hmm she actually went over to Africa and to some other places to kind of observe um, this ritual and just see what the what the practice is and what how it is in society. This was kind of controversial because some stated that she should she had no right to talk about female genital mutilation because it wasn't really it wasn't really a part of her her own what's the word I'm looking for it was it wasn't really a, applicable to her life. And she thought yeah. it was barbaric, but for some people, this—that's just their way of life. That's how they get—they get forward in life. That's how they get married. So it was kind of controversial. It was very controversial, but I also appreciate her even just putting shining a light on that situation. Because if I'm not mistaken, just recently, and when I say recently, in the last few years, one of the countries banned that from happening. Right, that's true. I think the biggest takeaway for me would be thankful. Even though it may be complicated, just live in all live live complicated. But you yeah. know, do your due diligence, work out your your complications, and move forward. And just always be thankful. Never be ungrateful, and always be in tune with yourself. I really love that she was always in tune with herself. We, whatever she did, what she had to do to get back centered. So, and she demanded respect from her lovers, from her friends, from her colleagues. I really admire that about her. And I just really like that she was really outspoken about the treatment of Black women and um, and feminism. She really stood up for us. So I really, that's what I really liked about, that's my biggest takeaway from this book. Yeah, my takeaway was like, be true to yourself. Yeah. Um, when you lose yourself or when you're not sure, sure who you are, find yourself. It's important to be you, stay grounded, Stay focused. And that's really it. Like her truth and honesty really stuck out in these journals to me. Yeah. And understanding, like, you know, understand who you are. Don't be afraid of who you are. Don't be ashamed of who you are. Right. So. Thank you for tuning in today. We hope we have inspired you and help you find tools to make your life just a little bit easier. To continue this conversation, you can stay in touch with us on Instagram at Ebony Musings. And if you haven't done so already, please leave us a review. It would really help our show. Thanks again for listening, and we'll see you on the next episode.